Um, yeah, most of you uh, know me. I'm um, one of the, the teachers for Adult One Sunday School. Um, and um, let's see, uh, I was kind of born and raised in the LA area. So I'm actually a Dodgers fan. Uh, <laughs> so don't hold that against me. Uh, and, um, and let's see, what else? Oh, and then my kids. Uh, Liesl is um, in sixth grade. Uh, she's um, about to turn 12. Um, and Ansel's, uh, he's eight and he's in uh, fourth grade now. Uh, and you, you've probably seen them poking their heads in periodically, you know, through the virtual background, <laughs> but not, not today. I, I think Liesl's in focus and um, I'm not sure what Ansel may be joining that focus, maybe crashing the fellowship group. <laughs> so, um, let's, um, let's open our time in order of prayer before, or actually before I try to figure out how to share my screen. Um, so let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you and we praise you because you are uh, an infinite God. You are infinite in love. You are infinite in grace. Um, and yet you are also infinite in, in justice and, and holiness. Um, and, and through all of that, you have um, loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Um, but we also thank you and we praise you because you have given us um, um, your word. The, the, the scriptures that we have to, to look into and to understand so that we can get a, a, a glimpse or an understanding of, of, of your, your nature, you know, your love, your holiness, your justice. Um, and also today, as we kind of uh, considered the, the, the proverbs that relate to wisdom and, and, and teachable or teachability, uh, may you be with us and open our hearts and open our ears today. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let me figure it out. Let me uh, uh, oops, share my screen. Um, I think, okay. I think I'm going to have to go to presentation mode. Okay. Can you get, okay, good. Thanks, Alex. I see the thumbs up. Great, thanks. So I, I thought I would start. Um, oh, so. Uh, today's um, topic, um, and actually, this is actually the last week of Proverbs. So, um, you know, kind of joiners is, is wrapping up Proverbs. Um, and so I'm going to have a few slides that is somewhat of review um, and kind of somewhat of kind of my, my kind of take on, um, on, on the, the book of Proverbs. Um, but today's topic is, is um, teachable or being teachable. Um, the way I approached uh, today's lesson was thinking, Okay, a wise person is teachable. And then what does that mean? You know, and you, we can think about, you know, what does wisdom mean? And also what does being teachable mean? Um, but before I kind of get into the lesson, actually, I thought I would share a, a story. Um, actually, it's a, when I was younger, uh, when I was a child, um, my mother shared um, this story with me. And it was actually one of her bedtime stories. Um, and, I sus and I suspect that she heard this story from her father, um, so my grandfather, um, and uh, he was actually a, a principal of a, a Christian high school um, in pre-communist China. Um, so, you know, as you hear, I, I suspect that he told my mother, you know, this story as her bedtime story. Um, so the story goes like this, and I, of course, I kind of embellish it a little bit, you know, kind of um, just for the... Uh, to fill out the, the picture of it. Um, so the story goes like this. Um, there's a young child, um, and he goes to his first day of school. Um, 
and after the kind of the usual kind of introductions and kind of the ground rules, uh, the teacher says, okay, what I'm about to say is, is very, very important. Okay. Learn this and remember it well, because this is really important. And the teacher says, okay, you are my student. Okay. I am your teacher. And then she, kind of pointing to a girl next to this young boy, she is your classmate. Okay. So the young boy, you know, he goes through the rest of his day and he goes home. And his father asks him, oh, okay, what did you learn in school today? And the young boy says, well, I learned that you are my student. I am your teacher. And she, kind of pointing to his sister, she is your classmate. And the father says, no, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. The teacher doesn't know what she's talking about. The father says, listen to me. Uh, I am your father. You are my son. And then she, pointing to you know, the father's daughter, she is your sister. Now go back and, and you tell your teacher that. So the next day, the young boy goes back to class and the teacher says, oh, do you remember what we learned yesterday? The, kid, the boy raises his hand. He says, oh, I know, I know, I know. And then the boy says, you know, I went home and my father said that you were wrong. And says, my father taught me to say, you are my son. I am your father. And she is your sister. <laughs> so, of course, you know, this is a kind of a uh, bedtime story. And when I learned this story as a child, um, there was no particular moral or, or lesson that was kind of attached to the story. I think it was just kind of kind of a humorous type thing. Um, but when you think about it, you could say, well, you know, you know, you can draw some conclusions, some some morals out of this. One is, you know, be careful what you learn from your father. Um, you know, you can also say, well, maybe it was like foreshadowing Darth Vader saying, you know, I am your father. Um, but um, but it also kind of, now that I think about it, you know, and kind of in relation to being teachable, um, it illustrates some kind of some points and maybe some pitfalls about being teachable. You know, and for example, you kind of have to be careful about, you know, who you learn things from. Um, and it's also, it kind of brings out the importance of the context or maybe the application of what you learn, right? Certainly you can learn it, but then if you apply it in the wrong situation, then it just comes out badly. Um, so tonight's topic is being teachable, um, but, and like I said, I, I kind of spun it and kind of thought about it in the, uh, the approach of, well, a wise person is teachable, but not, not being teachable or not learning things in the world's eyes or like in a secular context. So what we're talking, what we're not talking about is we're not talking about like learning things about like you know, how people are related to each other, you know, who's your teacher, who's your brother, who's your father, who's your sister, you know, we're not learning about those things. Um, we're not learning about, or we're not, um, we're not talking about how does one be teachable at like, you know, scientific stuff, you know, like, you know, chemical reactions or, or kind of more kind of scholarly stuff or academic stuff like, you know, grammar, spelling, you know, math. Or, or even things like, you know, practical stuff, like maybe how to bake, you know, how to balance your checkbook. And we're not talking about that. You know. The context here, uh, you know, for, you know, as we look at the book of Proverbs, really the context is, 
the, the context is being teachable as it relates to biblical wisdom. Um, and then um, I think a few months ago, Pastor Ray did talk about kind of wisdom, you know, uh, drawing from uh, Proverbs chapter four. Um, and actually we'll, we'll look at a couple verses or a few verses from that chapter. Uh, but, you know, but we're talking about kind of being teachable in the, the, the context of biblical wisdom. And this is somewhat of a review, but it also kind of introduces my points for, for being teachable. Wisdom in the book of Proverbs is very closely linked to fear of the Lord. Um, and for those that have um, been with us or that went through um, Old Testament survey, you know, in, in adult one Sunday school, this may look a little bit familiar. Um, but the theme of Proverbs is really the fear of the Lord. Um, and the, um, our, our kind of our text that we used in adult one Sunday school is talk through the Bible. Um, and the authors define or they describe the fear of the Lord as to stand in awe of his righteousness. Oops, excuse me, I'm going to have to move my, right, there we go. Okay. Um, to stand in awe of his righteousness, majesty, and power, and to trust him by humbly depending on him. That's how they define kind of the fear of the Lord. And then kind of a little, this other commentary also describes how the fear of the Lord manifests in a life of obedience, confessing and forsaking sin, um, and those verses are from Proverbs, um, and doing what is right, and which is really the believer's task, or the believer's task, I should say singular, before God. So, so you see, that, that's, what, that's the theme of Proverbs, is the fear of the Lord. And, and not so much fear as like kind of being afraid or cowering, it's actually more of a, like an awe. It's a, like a respect and an honor that God deserves. You know, it's, it's standing in awe of everything that God is, his righteousness, his majesty, his power. Um, and then as a believer, then we're supposed to trust humbly on him. We're supposed to obey. We're supposed to confess, you know, and, and forsake our sins um, and also do what is right. And that's what Proverbs is that's the, the, the structure, the framework of Proverbs. Then, the, so that, but the fear of the Lord is tied very closely with the concept of wisdom. And, and let me kind of go through, like, go through this kind of um, the, 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 the framework or kind of show you how that kind of plays out in, in Proverbs. Um, for example, these three verses. Um, Verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 of Proverbs. Okay. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we see a similar concept in, in chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then same thing, verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. Now, all of those verses, those three verses, you know, presuppose or they, they assume that or they, they show that, you know, fear of the Lord, reverence of God, you know, commitment to God, obedience, you know, everything that we talked about what fear of the Lord is, you know, is, you know, inextricably linked to wisdom, that you can't separate fear of the Lord and wisdom. 
know, for example, like chap, uh, verse, uh, chapter one, verse seven, where it says knowledge, you know, the knowledge is kind of what we typically think of, you know, is the results of learning or instruction, you know, things that are, that you know, you know, facts or information or things that are kind of mind. And so chapter nine, verse 10, it describes how, well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. No, it's the ability to apply, you know, that fear of the Lord. You know, it's like, well, you know, how do we show our, our trust? You know, how do we show our awe? It's, well, that's the wisdom. That's the application of that, the application of fear of the Lord. So, um, and then chap that last verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 33 says, well, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. It kind of leads to wisdom. You know, one learns to be wise by fearing God, honoring God, and trusting in God. There's another passage that's a little bit longer that I, I was going to share here. So it's chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And this also kind of relates or links fear of the Lord with wisdom. Right. I'll just read all of those verses. Uh, Solomon writes, My son. If you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to, mm, my little bar. Oh, there, I can minimize it. Okay. Um, make your, uh, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. So Solomon is, is telling his son, he says, pay attention. No, listen, make your ear attentive to wisdom. And then he, he, in verse four, he, the personification, he describes wisdom as a, as a woman of, or something of value, you know, something as precious as silver or hidden treasure. And he says, if you link verse four and five, it says, if you go searching for wisdom, then the result will be that you will discern, you will learn kind of the fear of the Lord. You will discover, you know, you'll learn a little bit more about God, you know, in, in verse five. So. Another verse here, chapter 22, verse 19. He says, so that you, excuse me, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, even you. So what Solomon is saying is in all of these Proverbs that he's writing, that he's passing on to his son, the reason he's doing that or the result that he's hoping is that his son will trust in the Lord. So you've seen, I've kind of gone through, you know, a few slides already. And, um, and so Proverbs presents this essentially a reciprocal relationship between fear of the Lord and wisdom. So the person who fears God, who reveres God, who recognizes God's power, his authority, his majesty, and who humbly, you know, cedes to God's authority and faithfully trusts in God, right? So that's fear of the Lord. You know, the, the person who does all that will be wise in God's eyes. That person will, you know, obtain wisdom. But then, so that's on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, the, you know, Proverbs will also paints the picture that being wise in the biblical context leads to knowledge of God and fear of the Lord. So being wise means to be to to trust in God, to avoid sin, to grow closer to God, 
and to grow in Christ-likeness. So we see this connection between you know, fear of the Lord and wisdom. And so then as a result, we can say, well, wisdom, I, I think Pastor Ray, I think maybe in one of his in, introductory um, uh, talks on Proverbs, he, he brought up this idea that wisdom is a moral quality. You know, you know it's, it, wisdom is being compared to God's standard. Wisdom is not like human intelligence or, or human ability um, or like an intellectual characteristic. You know, very often in kind of the worldly view or, you know, people maybe kind of unbelievers or in a secular perspective, you know, wisdom is thought of as um, wisdom that's something that comes with age or, or maybe life experiences. Um, or you think of like some kind of guru who's maybe sitting on, on like an, um, in a cave on a mountaintop um, and that person might be considered wise because that person knows how to kind of say, you know, you know speak in like these sayings that kind of sound profound. Right? But that, that's what kind of wisdom in the worldly view. But in the biblical perspective and kind of as it relates to kind of Proverbs, well, wisdom is more of a moral quality, like I said. And so growing in biblical wisdom really means growing in Christian maturity. Um, and then also then it's like knowing is not enough. You know, we have to, we have to learn, you know, how does what the scripture teach us, how do we take that and how do we apply it to our lives? And that's what being teachable is. And so that's what I, I wanted to kind of go through is to think about, well, you know, how do we take, you know, biblical teaching or biblical wisdom, learn it or be taught it, and then apply it into our lives? And so there's, there's three characteristics that I had thought of. So three characteristics of a teachable person, but teachable person in the context of biblical wisdom or teachable person in the context of Proverbs. Um, you can also think of three characteristics of a teachable person in the context of fear of the Lord. Um, and so there's three characteristics that we're going to go through tonight. So the first is a teachable person is humble. Um, the second is a teachable person seeks wise instruction. And then finally, a teachable person grows from correction. Um, and then under each one of these, I have a couple sub points. Um, so first, let's look at um, a teachable person is humble. Um, you know, a wise person, we've talked already about kind of what does a wise person or a person who fears the Lord, a person realizes the, the difference between God and, and themselves, that God is all-powerful, you know, he's, he's majestic, you know, he's holy, and that person stands in awe of that. That person recognizes their dependence on God and, and recognizes their sinful nature. And so in that respect, then a teachable person recognizes their shortcomings, recognizes their deficiencies. You know, perhaps it's, you know, issues or, or struggles with sin. Or it could be for maybe a believer or a Christian. You know, I think every Christian will, will face periods in their life where their, their faith is weak. Or they're having, they're stumbling, you know, in 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 their devotion to God, or there maybe there's some uncertainty about their salvation. Okay. 
or it's maybe some uncertainty of, of God's presence in their life, you know, or, you know, the Holy Spirit's guidance, the, the person, that person may not be so sure. That, that, that a teachable person or a wise person recognizes that, recognizes that they're, they're, they're short, you know, or their shortcomings, you know, relative to God. So, and so then also being humble means recognizing and living independence, you know, on the Lord. You know, a wise person goes through life, you know, knowing or, or because of God's power and guidance. You know, a wise person will turn to God when facing really any situation, whether good or bad. That, the, you know, God, the, the wise person, I like um, the, the interchangeability of the terms. You know, wise, you can also replace it with godly or, or mature believer. You know, that a, a wise person or a godly believer, a mature, even a mature believer knows that they have not fully arrived, you know, at the completeness of Christ-likeness. You know, we can ask, you know, any of, you know, the, the, uh, the older saints in our church, you know, ask them, you know, do they think they've arrived? And I think, you know, almost to a, a T, every one of them will say no, no, that we have not reached in our, in our earthly lives. We will never reach that full Christ-likeness. We will never reach the full measure of wisdom as it relates to, to, to you know, biblical wisdom. You know, that teachable person recognizes the, the, the everlasting or the ever dangerous presence of, of temptation um, and sin in their lives. So kind of the sub point, so that's all kind of introductory to this point. So the first sub point is, well, the necessity of humility for wisdom. Right? We've talked about, well, a teachable person is humble, but humility is necessary, you know, in order for that person to, to gain wisdom. And we look at, we see that in, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33. I read that earlier, but I'll read it again. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. And before honor comes humility. So here in this verse, then we actually see that connection between humility and fear of the Lord. The, 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 um, the sense or the, the, kind of the meaning of the Hebrew word for humility there it carries the idea of like valuing or assessing one's oneself like appropriately not having too high or like a false sense of like esteem or not overvaluing yourself you know so it's kind of it, it, it you know it so it's like recognizing well you know one's own sinfulness or one's own creatureliness that you know we as as human beings are created people we're, we're, we're sinful, we're, we're, there's shortcomings in our lives. And that, that you know, relates and is in comparison to God's perfection. Uh, it also has the meaning of, of being straight, or that word, that Hebrew word for humility there. It also has the meaning of being straightforward, being sincere, you know, suggesting you know, a lack of arrogance or a lack of pride. And that's what we kind of typically, typically think of when we think of the word humility. But let's, let's think a little bit more about the relationship between those two lines. You know, the book of Proverbs is Hebrew poetry, and, and poetry very often has connections between the first line and the second line of, of like a, of a, excuse me, of a verse. Um, so we think we can see that, well, fear of the Lord 
you know, requires humility. Uh, another way to kind of rephrase this is fear of the Lord requires humility, which precedes and is necessary for acquiring wisdom, which then brings honor. You know, can, so if we look at kind of the four, there's the fear of the Lord, there's wisdom, honor, and humility. So a way to kind of rearrange or think of that connection. So, and then when we think about, okay, what does honor mean? Well, you know, honor is probably all of the, the benefits of, of living wisely, you know, living wisely according to scripture. So it'd be things like, you know, the avoidance of sin, the, the ability to resist temptation. It's uh, finding strength and refuge in God, you know, in times of turmoil and trouble. That's, that's how I would kind of, you know, kind of think of honor as it relates first and as it relates to fear of the Lord and biblical wisdom. People, um, but there's a caveat, there's a caution that I will throw in here. Um, I think sometimes as Christians, um, we'll sometimes take on a false sense of humility or humbleness. We will say, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a humble person. It's like, well, it's, there's a little bit of a kind of a bragging type tone to that, or kind of deep down, there's kind of that motive. It's like, yeah, I kind of pat myself on the back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the most humble person, you know, around. Um, but the, the kind of the caution here is that we should, re people should really be sincere and honest with themselves, you know, when it comes to um, like a, an assessment of their spiritual life and their spiritual walk. And that relates to the second sub point. That, you know, in a teachable person who is humble will also avoid self-wisdom. And then we see those two verses there that kind of warn us against being wise in our own eyes. So uh, chapter 3, verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then 26, verse 12, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So the idea of being wise in our own eyes is, is like, you know, kind of pride. You know, it's, it's taking value in what we know, you know, our own intellectual knowledge. And these verses, they do reject the, that secular concept of wisdom, that it's that search for knowledge. I just kind of want to know it all, right? Or that, yeah, I'm, I'm smart. I know how things are supposed to be, how things are supposed to run in this world. Okay. But that's opposite of what scripture tells us, that wisdom is actually found in that relationship with God. Uh, these verses also are similar to chapter 3, verse 5. Um, you can just write that down, but I didn't put it up there on the screen or on my slides. You know, chapter 3, verse 5. It reads, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That it's there's a caution, you know, avoid wisdom that you that you find in yourself. Uh, and these verses actually contrast with uh, chapter two, verse six, which says that wisdom comes from God, and it's from God's mouth that comes knowledge and understanding. Uh, Let's actually look a little bit more at that chapter 3, verse 7. Uh, these two lines actually contrast with each other. It says there that those who, when we, if we want to reword it, we can say that those who are not wise in their own eyes, those individuals fear the Lord. Okay? 
So the people that avoid self-wisdom are those that fear the Lord, that, that you know, humbly you know, obey, are obedient to God or trust in God. And then the, the flip is those who are wise in their own eyes will fall into evil. And then chapter 26, verse 12, we can uh, explore that a little bit more. It says, you know, those who trust in their own wisdom are actually worse than a fool. Um, and again, you know, it, um, I think when you started kind of the Proverbs, um, this, this series, you know, we can replace the word fool, you know, with sinner, uh, the spiritually immature. And, you know, sometimes I think we will come across individuals like these kind of in our lives. You know, the people that are so self-conceited or so proudful or that feel like they just know it all that or know something and that they're absolutely sure is correct. But in fact, they're actually wrong and they don't even see it. They don't recognize their errors. Uh, they don't recognize how, how, how um, maybe deluded they are. Right? And those individuals are impossible to correct. The, the, these, these fools, or the people who are wise in their own eyes, excuse me, the people who are wise in their own eyes, they're blinded you know, to their needs. They're blinded to their errors and their deficiencies. They're so sure that they have everything right that they refuse to submit you know, to wisdom or, or to instruction. And, and, you know, um, this verse says, well, you know, those people who are, you know, self-wise, they're actually worse than a fool. Because at least the fool, at least there's a little bit of hope for a fool to gain understanding or to gain wisdom. Okay. So, um, that last verse is actually very similar, uh, has a similar theme or message or a parallel in uh, Proverbs chapter 30, uh, verse 12. And that reads, there is a kind who is pure in his own eye, yet is not washed in his filthiness. Person, you know, the wise in his own eyes, he feels self-justified. He feels kind of righteous, you know, perhaps that maybe he has, you know, you know, figured out how to, you know, cleanse himself from sin and evil. But in fact, he hasn't. You know, then... The, the these kind of verses or this kind of raises the question well you know who are the self-wise right well i've kind of alluded to some you know some examples you know it could be people you know living or engaging in sin you know, it could be unbelievers but also it could also be people who are professing or who proclaim to be christians that you know are falling into sin kind of repeatedly but they don't recognize it they refuse to either they refuse to see it or, or they're kind of blinded because they're kind of self-wise. They feel like, hey, you know, I know I'm a good person um, or they refuse to turn away from it or forsake it. Uh, perhaps they justify themselves or they make excuses for themselves, you know, to, that, that in their own mind that allows them to continue in that sin. Um, but it could also describe people, the, 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 this idea of being self-wise, could also describe people who believe that they are wise, that they're good or that they're moral, you know, maybe because of a worldly or a non-biblical standard. 
right? It's like, well, I didn't kill anyone. I've never gotten a speeding ticket. I've never gotten a parking ticket. Um, you know, I help old ladies cross the street. So I'm a good person. Right? Well, that, that you, know, you know, scripture will tell us those individuals are, are self-wise. Um, later, you're going to have application points. I, I, I provided um, um, Eric and um, Eric and Alex with um, uh, application points that you're going to discuss. But I'll just kind of sh uh, share some kind of devotional points. Kind of these are kind of I guess mini applications. The question is, well, you know, as we kind of talk about, you know, uh, a teachable person is humble. The, the question is, well, how can I or how can you be humble relative to biblical wisdom? and you know the idea of, of fear of the lord and i, I just kind of have two devotional points here the first is take a sincere like an, a very open and honest assessment kind of your spiritual walk your spiritual life and your relationship with god you know this is something that may not happen in just one sitting uh, this may be a process that and it's it's almost almost always going to involve or it's going to occur through prayer and through maybe the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But it can also come about through, you know, the study of scripture, of God's word. You know, and, you know, just, you know, over time, you know, or it may occur in just one sitting, you know, just kind of really kind of take a sincere, open and honest assessment of your, of your walk in your relationship with God, because what we're with this, what we're looking for is we, and we're we're searching our lives. We're searching for maybe any unrecognized or maybe underappreciated sin. Are we, you know, relying on our own self? You know, are we kind of taking kind of a little bit of pride or or overvaluing our talents and and being wise in our own eyes? And that's the, that's the kind of the charge or the encouragement. The second devotional point is seek the input and assistance from wise individuals. I mean, that's actually going to be my second main point, but it ties in a little bit with this being, um, being humble. And the reason for that and the, the explanation for that is you know, very often we may not recognize our own errors. Uh, it may just be... It may not be deliberate, maybe unintentional, but there are other people around us, people who are close to us, people who may be wiser or more kind of spiritually mature uh, than us that will see, you know, maybe the errors or see kind of the patterns of our lives or kind of the issues in our speech and in our, and in our actions. And it's those individuals that, may, that, that, will, um, that will point out that. You know, and so then actively seeking out that input will help us kind of put us on the right path and, and help us not be wise in our own eyes. So that's the first point. A teachable person is humble. The second point is a teachable person seeks wise instruction. Um, took me a little bit of time to try to kind of word correctly. And I, I use the term seeks. Um, because I, th I thought it captured the right idea that it's an, it's an active verb. You know, it's, it indicates that the person is actively looking for wisdom. You know, it's not a passive, oh, you know, I see it, 
or that, you know, we accidentally come across it or that, you know, we're going to be given wisdom. You know, it is true that God grants wisdom to us, you know, through, you know, the Holy Spirit and through scripture. But we as believers, we have to actively seek it. You know, a, a teachable person approaches wisdom, you know, with the purpose and the intent to actively acquire it. That person is actively seeking to improve, you know, in the areas of biblical wisdom. And again, it's not just acquiring it for the sake of knowledge, saying, oh, you know, I'm smart. Yeah, I know. But it's actually, what's more important is actively applying that biblical principles to our lives. So we think about, again, kind of hearkening back to what I just uh, talked about earlier is, you know, if wisdom is inextricably linked, you know, to fear of the Lord, right? Wisdom comes from fear of the Lord. Wisdom leads to fear of the Lord. And wisdom actually is fear of the Lord, right? So then a mature believer, you know, would be actively seeking wisdom. And by that, we mean actively growing in our personal relationship with God, our sanctification. You know, it's an active process. It's not a passive process. And it's active in the sense that it's actually a lifelong pursuit, uh, at least in our earthly lives. So the first sub point is that kind of related to what I've talked about, that, that a teachable person or a wise person actively obtains wisdom. And then I put a couple of verses from chapter four there. Um, I'll just read, uh, I'll just read uh, the first one first. Um, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. You know, in the ESV, it translates the word acquire as get. You know, it's an imperative. You know, one commentary kind of pointed out that this verb is repeated twice here in this verse, you know, to, to indicate a sense of urgency. There's a forcefulness. There's like an intensity. You know, it's like acquire, do it. You know, there's, there's, some, there's some strength behind that imperative. You know? um, and then the question is, well, why? why? Why should we be actively? Why is there that sense of urgency? Um, I don't have it here, but verses uh, 6 through 9 of chapter 4 describes how wisdom will guard, will, it will watch, it will protect us. It brings honor, it brings grace to those who value wisdom. Um, I'll refer you back to Pastor Ray's uh, a talk on wisdom. I think that was back in July, if I remember correctly. And similarly, uh, chapter 4, verse 13 Solomon writes, take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. And this is slightly different. Right? Slightly different than, I think, what Pastor Ray talked about. Um, and it's slightly different than, um, for example, in chapter 3, verse 2, um, and chapter 4, verse 10. Those two verses describe how wisdom gives long life. But here we see actually what Solomon writes is actually wisdom is life. And that's why there's that imperative, you know, take hold. It's an imperative. It's the idea to dedicate oneself you know, firmly, to be faithful, to trust in biblical wisdom. You know, take hold. Don't let go. You know, it's that figurative expression of, you know, don't drop your hands. 
you know, don't don't give up, don't relax, even for a moment. You know, guard her. Right? You kind of have to act like your life depends on this wisdom. That you have to actively actively pursue it. You know, obtain it. We can't expect to gain wisdom passively. And you know, and but once you get it, you know, protect it, guard it, don't neglect it. And you know, and if we don't pursue it, if we don't acquire biblical wisdom, or if we do and we neglect it or we kind of lose it, then we risk harm. And I'm gonna say primarily spiritual harm, you know, you know, to our spiritual lives, but it could also be physical harm if we kind of are led into, you know, maybe a a, a temptation of of our lives or our physical flesh or our bodies you know we could be put into physical harm so that's the first is to actively obtain wisdom right? because wisdom is life you act like life depends on this biblical wisdom the second sub point you know as as it relates to you know, a teachable person or a wise person seeks wise instruction is, is to learn from the right teachers. I um, mean, we're going to draw that um, from uh, chapter 13, verse 20. Um, you know, those who walk with, or I'll, I'll read it, the verse here. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise for the companion of fools will suffer harm. Right? Pretty straightforward. It's those who associate with or who walks with wise people will also be wise. The the idea here, the idea of walks with, it has the idea of um, to live with, um, or to behave in the manner of, right? So if you, um, you know, hang out with, or if you kind of, I guess in a way, mirror or mimic, or you behave in the manner of a wise person, or you associate with those wise people then you hopefully will gain some of that wisdom from them. And then the second line is the, is the contrast. But, you know, those who associate with fools will suffer harm. Right? And there's actually a, a play of words here. Uh, the Hebrew word for companion actually sounds very similar to the Hebrew word for suffer. Um, they all, I think they almost rhyme. Um, and then that wordplay stresses the the um, the power or the importance of who you choose to associate with. Right? So the idea with this, that the second line of, of verse twenty is you know you choose your companions or you choose your friends or you, in this case choose your teachers wisely. Don't be careful about who you you know learn from or who you hang out with. Let's look at kind of two devotional points related to this. Um, the first kind of relates to the idea of kind of actively seeking wisdom. Um, and the first is just to pursue opportunities to fellowship with and to learn from fellow believers. Um, you know, any time spent with, you know, a fellow believer, you know, is valuable time. Uh, you know, in the pandemic and kind of with the social distancing and the shelter in place, it's, it's harder, you know, granted. Um, I was thinking back to when during the good old days, <laughs> um, when we used to have things like, you know, the um, church potlucks, for example. Um, you know, that was a great time for, you know, um, you know uh, people of all ages to get together and just to fellowship. 
Um, you know, the, you know, these opportunities can be, you know, formal. It could be like a small group get together. It could be a Bible study. It could be serving alongside, um, you know, a fellow believer, you know, at, you know, in a church ministry or like a church event. Uh, or it could be something informal, you know, like, you know, you know, the times that we used to have before or after Sunday school classes um, or before and after, you know, service, you know, when we just kind of fellowship um, and kind of almost kind of shoot the breeze. You can, those are opportunities to, to, to learn or to kind of share what, you know, we might be struggling with and to, to, to maybe gain insight or gain kind of biblical wisdom from a fellow believer. And I, I use the term fellow believer here. You know, it could be someone at the same life stage. It could also be someone at a different life stage. Um, generally, we're talking about maybe somebody in a kind of an older, you know, group, you know, some, somebody who's already kind of been through, you know, a, a life stage that we're going through or about to go through. Because that individual, you know, very likely experienced maybe the same situation or the same issues that, you know, you and I are facing, you know, at, at you know, various life stages. But I will caution here, um, and this is, this is important. Um, the caution is that a person who's older in age, or just, you know, being older in age does not necessarily mean, or does not automatically mean that they're wiser when it comes to biblical wisdom. Uh, so don't assume that, oh, just because this person is like, you know, 20 years older, or maybe because their kids are already grown up and, you know, that, oh, that person, you know, is, is you know, somehow more, is wiser than myself in terms of biblical wisdom. That is not necessarily the case. And that relates to the second sub kind of point or the second devotional point is to ask trusted individuals for their opinions and for vetting. Uh, that betting part, it does sound kind of funny, but I'll, I'll flesh it out in just a little bit. Uh, and this relates to the question that, well, how do you know that a person is maybe the right teacher or a wise teacher? Uh, or And that, that's why I included the term trusted. You know, we, we, may, we might know or we might begin to get the sense that, you know, a person is wise through, you know, our interactions with that person. Um, or from what we kind of see, you know, how that person behaves, how that person speaks, how that person encourages other people, um, or maybe from that person's like training, um, you know, usually I think of, you know, maybe like our pastors, you know, would be a trusted individual. Um, and then, but then we can also ask these trusted individuals for like their thoughts or their opinions, you know, about, you know, other individuals. You know, we might say, oh, yeah, you know, what about, you know, so-and-so, you know, or you know, we can, you know, if, if you're struggling with something and you, you, you want to know, oh, maybe there's this other person that seems kind of wise um, and that I think might, I might, you know, benefit from maybe informally or like in a formal discipling relationship, then it would be wise, for lack of a better word, it'd be wise and maybe to, to ask for like a, a ref, kind of like a reference, or that's the vetting part. We'd approach this trusted individual, and it's most likely going to be a church leader, and ask for that person's opinion of the other person. So that, that's kind of the devotional point as to, you know, um, 
know, actively seeking, or how do we act, or these two devotional points talk about, well, how do we actively seek, you know, biblical wisdom? Finally, let's talk a little bit about, or the third point, is a teachable person grows from correction. Now, an important part of instruction is correction or a reproof, right? We're not going to be right all the time. You know, there's that saying that you learn from your mistakes. You, know? you remember if we kind of harken back, if we look, think back to that point number one, that a wise person, you know, a person who's very sincere with themselves, who's kind of a mature believer and who's a growing believer, you know, that person recognizes how little they know. You know, how much they depend on God each day, you know, and that person, you know, seeks to improve. They seek correction. And a believer who's honest with themselves will acknowledge their humanity, their imperfection, and their sinfulness relative to a perfect divine God. That, that mature believer, that wise person will know that they have a constant battle with temptation. They'll acknowledge that. Well, they'll acknowledge that, that constant issue with sin. And they'll know that at times they'll need correction and reproof and a rebuke in a loving manner. Right? And those are the two subpoints. The first subpoint is that a wise person and a teachable person accepts reproof. Okay? That's the acceptance of reproof. And here I'm referring to that inner attitude towards correction. That a teachable person or a wise person knows or, you know, knows that reproof is necessary or is accepting of that reproof. Let's look at um, the first verse there. It's uh, chapter 12, verse 1. And it reads, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Here, that idea of discipline, it carries the sense of um, training to improve oneself um, or improve like self-control. Um, it's not so much the negative like admonishment, but it's more just kind of like training. But somebody who loves to improve themselves um, or loves kind of training will love knowledge. And that second line contrasts with the first. But he who hates reproof that reproof is the idea of like criticism, right? And then that person is stupid and stupid is pretty straightforward here. The stupid is that person just lacks knowledge. Right? So, and so we see that link between, you know, disciplines, which is training and reproof, you know, which is criticism. You know, those two are linked to the idea of knowledge and, and stupidity or lack of knowledge. Chapter 15, verse 5, it says, A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. So here, that fool is someone who lacks good judgment. You can also think of when we use the terms fool and wise, you know, in the context of Proverbs. You know, a fool, we're talking about, you know, those who are sinful, those who are childish, those who are immature. Those individuals reject or they refuse to listen to their father's discipline. And that discipline is that the kind of the same word or the same sense as in uh, chapter 12, verse 1. A second, um, oh, and so 
Uh, let me just make sure. Okay. Oh yeah. So he who regards reproof, you know, the, the person who you know seeks um, uh, correction, seeks training, seeks to improve, that person is sensible. That person is careful. Is and that the sensible will also mean you know is characterized by good judgment. Uh, and then here, um, that last verse of of sorry, the last part of uh, chapter 15, verse 5, where it uses the term regards, that's in the NASB. The ESV uses the term heeds. And it, it, it seems to have the idea of, oh, you know, regard. It, we might use the term like, you know, um, in the sense of like listening to or paying attention to, you know, we might say regarding such and such. Or, you know, when you write a letter, you say regards, and then you put your name. Um, it kind of has that sense, that flavor, um, you know, when we see that word regards. But actually, the Hebrew word actually has a much stronger and a, a deeper meaning. Um, it actually has the sense of to conform one's actions or practice to. So it's the idea of following or obeying. Um, so you can almost say, he who conforms oneself or who a person who changes their practice based on reproof is sensible. Okay. So the wise person changes their lives, conforms their life, and, can, and changes their actions and their life according to or to match any correction. That's what kind of that last uh, line of, of verse uh, um, five is, is getting at. So, so that's the first subpoint that a teachable person or wise person accepts reproof. So that's the internal attitude. The second subpoint is then the result of reproof. And that's the external like result or what's the, the outcome? Something that's visibly you know, changed. That's the result of reproof. Because when you correct a wise person or when you correct a teachable person, there's going to be a positive outcome that's visible, that other people can see. And there's uh, the verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 31, and it reads, he whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Right? Again, we see that idea or that, that link between wisdom and correction that gives life. You know, that's how important. You know, wisdom is, but that's also how important correction is, you know, kind of discipline or, or, or reproof. That, you know, listening to, you know, heeding, following wise advice will guard and protect us against dangers and will we'll preserve our life. And then the word dwell there in the second line, um, the Hebrew word literally means like to lodge, you know, to stay with or to, to spend the night or to be like at a location, you know, to lodge, to stay. But here it's using, it's being used in the figurative sense that, you know, a person who's, a person that is not so wise, if that person listens to correction and takes it in, then that person will be considered wise. You know, that person will be dwelt or will be considered among the wise. But in order to be considered wise, I mean, or to, to dwell among the wise, 
you know, it indicates or it implies that there has to be some outward manifestation or some evidence that that person has heeded the reproof, that that person has changed or has conformed their life right? and has made a correction and has taken that in and has applied it to their lives. Hearing and listening to correction is not enough. There must be some application. There must be some change that is visible. And that's the result of reproof. And that is how a teachable person grows from correction. And that's one of the characteristics of being a wise person or a teachable person. So what are the two devotional points related to this? Well, the first is check your attitude when corrected. You know, you know sometimes we can be kind of closed or closed-minded, you know, to correction. Um, you know, people might say, hey, you know, you know, you don't know me. You know, how can you say that about me? Or people may say, you know, may, may cite like Matthew 7, 5. You know, how can you criticize me when you have faults and sins of your own? But, you know, when correction is given in a loving and encouraging way from somebody who is wise, and I'm going to use the term wise to, uh, in the sense of somebody who's more spiritually mature. You know, when that correction is given, you know, from a wise individual, you know, a spiritually mature believer, and in a loving and encouraging way, then the, the attitude of the person being corrected should be more of acceptance and appreciation. Right? It's as if that person saved your life, right? Because that reproof is life-giving. You know, biblical wisdom is life. Right? That person has steered you away from a dangerous path and back onto the, the road of life, you know, towards Christ-likeness. And the second devotional point is to demonstrate the effects of correction or reproof. You know, biblical wisdom, as it's depicted in Proverbs, you know, it's the external, it's the visible application, and it's the living out of a proper fear of God. Right? It's standing in awe and reverence of our Lord. It's obeying and trusting in Him. It's repenting and forsaking sin. It's all of those things. But that's all of fear of the Lord. Right? But it's the application of that. It's the external um, demonstration of that in our lives is what biblical wisdom is. So biblical wisdom, you know, as it relates to individual believers or individual people, it's, you know, how they manage themselves or it's, it's manifested how they, how they handle life situations, how they go through life, how they um, carry themselves, how they encourage, you know, other people, maybe through words or through deeds. You know, it's that living out or it's the, the, that clear demonstration of that relationship with God, uh, that close relationship with God, and also living according to God's standards. You know, kind of on a more practical level, well, how do we demonstrate that? You know, how do we you know, demonstrate these sorts of things? Just some kind of ideas. Um, for example, you know, sharing. You know, sharing, you know, what you learned or the correction that you received, you know, that's a way to, you know, visibly or externally show that, you know, I was corrected, you know, I learned something, you know, and, and this is, this was the situation that I faced and this is you know, maybe who, you, who, I mean, 
don't necessarily have to say who, but somebody came alongside me and said, no, this is wrong. And you then sharing, oh, my eyes were open. My heart was changed. It could also be, you know, asking other people to hold you accountable, you know, to what you say or to what you do. Um, also, it's also making that change obvious, you know, to other people, you know, in your life. That would be kind of like in words, you know, in deeds, you know, wh what we do and how we live about or how we go about our daily lives. So that's kind of my final point. That's the idea of being, wis being wise, you know, and being teachable um, as it relates to the book of Proverbs. And with that, I will may stop sharing. And then we'll close our time in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you because you have created each one of us. In your divine mercy and your divine grace, you have brought us into this life. But in our sinful state, you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, to, to draw us closer to you and to, to redeem us even in our humanity, in our sinful fallen state. We also just thank you and praise you for the book of Proverbs and, and the, the wisdom that it imparts you know, to us, um, that it, how, how it paints the picture of the proper fear of the Lord and how biblical wisdom and how we are supposed to be teachable as it relates to um, biblical wisdom and, and fear of the Lord. Uh, just thank you again for the technology that we have to, to gather together. Um, and just thank you for uh, this time. And we ask that you bless the discussion groups that are to follow uh, soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone, for your attention.